Welcome to episode 81 of Musical.ly Challenge, your heapin' helpin' of music, trivia, and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about this week. I'm your host, Lou Schwalbach, and alongside me is Chad Knight. Hey, that would be me. I would hope so. Either that or you stole the clothing and underwear of the person who looks just like him. Well, I stole his face, too. Oh, okay. Because they only made this face once. And then broke the mold and set it on fire and sent it to a different planet. And... Exactly. Motherfucker, really? All right, so this week we're going to go back to an earlier series where we talked about songs with one word in common. This week's word is the color red. Red! Spanning across all genres of music, colors make their way into song titles pretty often and either dealing with the feeling of the singer or the alignment that they're singing about. Red can be used if the person is embarrassed, physically hot, or just flat out pissed off. Sometimes, and get this, it just talks about the actual color. <gasps> yeah. Imagine yeah, that, Yeah, right? we'll talk about that song, won't we? So... Today we'll be talking about some red songs from a range of artists with no genre spared. So get out your 64-count box of Crayolas with your favorite coloring book and relax while we get the show started. Don't judge. Coloring is awesome. Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. This show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Hey, I love coloring. <laughs> I, I honestly do. I uh, I would color more, but my kids look at me strange. Screw them. Not literally, but I mean... Forget, right, yeah. You know, I mean, I I don't even mind. It can be the adult coloring books. It can be the kid coloring books. I don't care. I like the kid ones better, actually, because superheroes... Now, and... I got to tell you something. Hmm. When this episode drops, I will be in Los Angeles, California. Okay. I'm on vacation right now, motherfucker. Cool. Does it look like I'm on vacation? If that's what you do when you're on vacation, um, go to town, man. <laughs> the, oh. Are the girls staying in the same hotel room as you? They are. Okay, so that's not going to happen. No. All right. That's not going to happen. That's not going to ha- Nothing's going to happen. Just give them like a 20 each. Be like, hey, go make yourself busy for a half an hour. 20 in L.A.? Well, that'll buy their one-way, that'll that'll buy their them, one-way ticket somewhere. That'll buy them each a, a, a nugget of crack. That'll keep them busy. <laughs> and dead. No, probably. <laughs> Anyways. We do not condone the use of illegal drugs, especially by my daughters. Well, yeah, just make sure you're 50 yards or more away from them, and then you can use them. There you go. That seems fair enough. Well, I'm taking, you know, you said bye, so I mean. True, I did say bye. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get started here with the, how's it going? It's going. Cool. I mean, you're you're tra- you're traveling, you're not getting any. I mean, that's all well and good. I'm still back home, and um, I don't know what the hell we're doing. No, yeah, I, you you don't have to plan that yet. But on oh shit, uh, this, that's next year. This drops on the 16th, so I believe last night I went to a Dodgers game. Okay. So I got my tickets for my Dodgers game already. Who are they playing? Uh, they are playing the Giants. Oh, hometown. Yeah, it's it's well Beta Beta Bay, I guess. Battle of the Bays. Yeah, so they're playing that. I I don't know what we're doing on Thursday, but. I think that might be, and, and I'm and I'm winging it here, but I think that may be the, uh, what do you call it, the beach day. 
What, do you have a beach picked out yet? Uh, the girls do, and I don't remember what it's... Huntington. It's, no, it's not. It's like an hour south of L.A. And the reason they did that is because I guess it's cleaner. There's less people. It's white sand instead of whatever they fucking have in L.A. I don't know. But it's supposed to be overall, like, according to some travel log or whatever, it's supposed to be a nicer beach. Okay. And you don't have to pay to go to it. Or some of the beaches you have to pay to go to. To certain areas on them. Are you going to go to the beach with all the bodybuilders on <laughs> <laughs> Muscle Beach? No. No, that's in Long Beach, and that is actually one of the beaches they warn you away from, especially after, like, 4 or 5 p.m. Really? Yeah, so. Getting robbed or what? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's delightful. Welcome yeah. to California. Give me your wallet. <laughs> no. Well, anyway. Ran out of money. Going home now. I think it's time to drink. All right, so... This overflowing wonderfulness that we have in front of us. I know. I'm watching this. I'm not sure I want to drink it, dude. This is, I mean, honestly, we popped this open, and it's been doing nothing but foaming. I did not shake these up. No. I, I, I carried them from the car to the table and cracked them open. And these Did fuckers, you run? Really? Do I run anywhere? No. <laughs> I run about as much as you do. I ran once. I did, too. And then I figured this bullshit is not no. It's not worth it. No, it's not. Unless somebody's chasing me with a stick or some other weapon, ain't happening. So you uh, brought us a Wisconsin original. Yes, it's it's in twofold actually. It's a lining Kugels. Yeah. And it's actually an exclusive for Wisconsin, Wisconsin Red Pale Ale. And I'm hoping that the overly foaming that this is this is like a fucking science experiment. I'm serious. I yeah, I'm and it's it's not going down. I mean, it keeps just no, it's, flowing. No, it's still coming. I mean, I have a feeling it still it keeps going and going. It's got this white foam that comes out of the end of the mm-hmm. beer bottle. Yeah. All right. So mine's going all the way down. So where it's a 5.6 percent alcohol volume. It's well balanced hop forward red pale ale. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. Well, so let's go ahead and give it a give it a shot. It's actually not bad. I have had worse reds, absolutely. See, and I like Killian's red. Killian's red. Killian's is, is so probably good. the best red I've ever had. But the problem I have with reds a lot of times is they give me a headache. So we'll see. Or you're thinking of red wine. No, red wine gives everybody a headache. Especially if you drink it, period. No, I like this. It's It talks about balanced hop. Um, I'm not getting a very hoppiness for it. I feel no. like I've got a bit of a breath of hop. Like you, I've got beer. It's there. I've got beer breath, but I'm yeah. not, it's not lingering, which right. I like about that. As far as reds go, again, I still care for Killian's better, but this is actually not bad. I could drink this if somebody offered me this, as you did. I could drink this. I get a sixer of this. I don't know if I'd get a case of it, but I get a sixer of it. I'd be okay with that. Uh, I probably wouldn't do that, but mostly because. It's Lineys? It's Lineys. I'm not a big Lineys fan. There are certain ones, like we're getting to the fall season, and there's a couple fall ones, like there's a Creamy Dark, which is really good. Creamy Dark, I do like. Oktoberfest is good, but there's one that shows two rams headbutting called Big Butt. Big Butt Bach. fucking delicious. That's got to be a Bach. Probably, but... I usually waste my money on Point Bach, though. Ah, so you like to paint the bowls, do you? (laughs) Anyway. All right, so let's go ahead and give this one a rating. What do you say? Bar. That's about what I'm going to. It's not terrible. It's not great. It's beer. Yeah. So we are doing week two where you are asking and I am at your mercy. Yes. So a lot like last week, I took one of the bands from the list and I had a question about that. So Getty Lee of Rush. Okay. Made a guest performance on Bob and Doug McKenzie's comedy album, Great White North, singing a song called what? Take off. You hoser. 
But you answer at the end. I got excited because I actually knew this one. <laughs> you are correct. It's called Takeoff. <laughs> did, did did our guy pay you? You know, five bucks is five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course, Kenny Lee's got his high voice, and then there's like at the end of the at the end of the song, he's like, "Take off to the Great White North. Take off, <laughs> you hosers." So it's, this was a little more of a of a yeah the last one the last then, one was tricky yeah because I honestly don't think they ever recorded anything they may not have and and maybe he was the lead singer when they were Mammoth but as Van Halen I think it's always been David Lee Roth but I could be wrong on that in any respect no this one I was excited that I actually got it and got up to fifteen fifty percent so you're one and one exactly. All right, so we don't have to take the time at the end to talk about this one again. No, we don't. We can waste our time talking about red songs. Red songs. So why don't you start it off with a red song? Okay, I'm going to start it off with... Communist Chad. That's Comrade. Communist. No, no. Communist people call each other Comrade. But I'm not a communist. Communist, so I wouldn't call you a communist. I'm not a communist either. Fuck you. (laughs) And besides, Comrade means friend. Oh, ouch. <laughs> God damn. I'm going to finish this beer. I'm going to break the end off, and I'm going to jab you with it. Come get, bitch. <laughs> Anyways, go on. All right, so I am kicking off with 99 Red Balloons by Nina. So 99 Luft Balloons is an anti-war protest song by the German band Nina from their 1983 self-titled album. An English-language version titled 99 Red Balloons with lyrics by Kevin McAlia? Sure. Sure. It was also released on the album 99 Luft Balloons in 1984 after widespread success of the original in Europe and Japan. <laughs> the English version is not a direct translation of the German original and contains somewhat different lyrics. While at a June 1982 concert by the Rolling Stones in West Berlin, Nina's guitarist Carlo uh, Cargis noticed that balloons were being released. As he watched them move toward the horizon, he noticed them shifting and changing shapes where they looked like a strange spacecraft, referred to in the German lyrics as a UFO. He thought about what might happen if they floated over the Berlin Wall to the Soviet sector. The English version retains the spirit of the original narrative, but many of the lyrics are translated poetically rather than directly translated. Red helium balloons are casually released by the civilian singer slash narrator with her unnamed friend into a sky and are registered as missiles by a faulty early warning system. The balloons are mistaken for military aircraft, which results in panic and eventually nuclear war. From the onset, Nina and other members of the band expressed disapproval for the English version of the song, 99 Red Balloons. In March 1984, the band keyboardist and song co-writer Hugh Fackenkrog Peterson said, <laughs> Peterson, nice. We made a mistake there. I think the song loses something in translation and even sounds silly. In another interview that month, the band, including Nina herself, were quoted as being not completely satisfied with the English version since it was too blatant for a group not wishing to be seen as pro- as a protest band. Despite having given in excess of 500 concerts over a period of more than 30 years, Nina has never sung 99 Red Balloons live, even at her rare concerts in England, always performing the German version instead. Oh, I thought they didn't perform it either way. I mean, oh, no. I'd, be, I'd be pissed. I mean, because yeah. that's like the one song they know from this band. Yeah, so let's go ahead and take a listen. 
I never really knew what the meaning of this song was. It was Nina's voice that always got me. After really looking... Don't lie. It was the pit hair that got you. No. (laughs) (laughs) After really looking at the lyrics of the American version, I can see it, though. Though not strictly a word-for-word translation, it definitely still gets the idea across. I like the song. Not a whole lot to say about it. It kind of tells its own story. What are your thoughts? So before anything, it must be said the German version is far superior than the English version. I would agree with that. I mean, like, no, no, nothing at all. It's a good anti-nuke song. It's an 80s classic that belongs on pretty much any 80s playlist. And there's really not anything else to add to it. I would agree. So why don't you give us your first one? I'm going to start off with um, a country song, actually, which may surprise you. Um, Not because, no, because of the song. It does not surprise me. Okay, well, and there's a reason I picked this one, but this one is Old Red by Blake Shelton. Because you've done this song before. I have indeed. And I actually even noted which episode, in case you wanted to know, but you'll hear that in a minute. Okay. So, Old Red is a song written by James Bohan, Don Goodman, and Mark Sherrill, and originally recorded by George Jones in 1990. I can't believe he was still around in 1990, because this guy's older than God. I can't believe this song is only from 1990. Well, I suppose, yeah. It's got that classic feel to it. It does. Kenny Rogers covered it in 1993, and then later Blake Shelton did as a single for his 2001 self-titled debut. It is considered Shelton's signature song, despite not going to a top 10 status. The song's about a guy who catches his wife with another guy and pops them both and gets a 99-year sentence for the crime of passion. He befriends the warden, gets a cushy job tending to the title character, Old Red, who's a bloodhound that's foiled every prison escape attempt, and works on his own master plan. Let's go ahead and take a listen about Old Red. But all these years that I've been here and nobody got past Red. And the warden saying, come on somebody, why don't you run? Old Red's itching to have a little fun. Get my lantern, get my gun. Red'll have you treat for the morning So, as I mentioned in the Modern Country episode number 38, this was a personal song for me. One of my college drinking buddies used to play it, and I just really liked it from there. Um, Shelton's character makes the bad situation turn entertaining, and despite the crime of passion, it's still, it's still, you feel for the guy. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, because everybody's had their, oh my god, I should just kill him moments. Some people act on them, and then they get like this, you know, and I can't say where I would go if I caught that. I mean, I don't know where if I would see red, I know I'd see red. Uh, I just don't know if it would go that far. Agreed. Now, it's a song about a man who goes to prison, like you said, after killing his wife and his lover, and her lover, not his lover. He gets an easy job in the prison taking care of a dog, Old Red by name. It's just a fun, real country song. And what I mean by that is it has a lot of things that make up a country song. Love, hate, prison, dogs, uh, maybe pickup trucks in there, I couldn't remember. <laughs> Fam- just, family, you know, family. he talks about his cousin. Yep, it's just a great song done by Blake Shelton. I I like it a lot. I have nothing bad to say about this song. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to your next red selection. My next red selection is "I Saw Red" by Warrant. Now, "I Saw Red" is a song by American rock band Warrant. It was released in December 1990 as a second single from Warrant's second album, Cherry Pie, the one everybody knows. Oh yeah. The song was one of Warren's most successful singles. The song was inspired by a true story of betrayal. It was written after Warren lead singer or lead vocalist, Janie Lane, had walked in on his girlfriend in bed with his best friend, resulting in Lane's nervous breakdown and the delayed release of the band's first record, Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stinkin' Rich. So the country guys kills him. 
and the California guy is just a big pussy about it and cries. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's go ahead and take a listen to the song. I saw my heart just spilled onto the floor. And I didn't need to see his face. I saw yours. I saw red and I closed the door. Because you're supposed to cry and then kill them. No, you're supposed to kill them and cry later. No, because that would show remorse for killing them. No, you, you, you cry, cry. You cry over the remorse of the relationship, and then once you get that, then you get like, mm, and then you kill him. And then you can cry a passionate, I guess? There you go. I'm a huge fan of power ballads, and Warrant was one of the best during the 80s. It kind of sucks that the song is based in reality. I mean, we all know it was about a girl cheating on a boy, but this makes it even worse. I always wonder how guys or girls write songs that are so personal to them and then tour and sing them over and over every fucking night, ripping the wound open fresh every time. Well, yeah, I mean, just pulling the band-aid off every time and just, you can never heal, you know? Yeah, I, I know I couldn't do that, and maybe that's why I'm not a famous rock star today. Or it could be because I can't sing a fucking lick. I, one of those two. I don't know which one it is yet, but... Maybe a little both? Maybe a lot of the can't sing. But, you know, what are, what are your thoughts, man? You know, this one's a solid power ballad from the Cherry Pie Guys, <laughs> because really that's what Warren is. The Uncle so Tom's Cabin is my Warren song of choice. All right. I, I don't mind their cover of Train Train by Blackfoot, but it's it's all right. Yeah. So the song definitely slows the tempo down for the album, and personally, I don't think that's the best thing. Warren likes to rock. I mean, listen to all their other stuff, they like to rock. But they do power ballads so well. But this one is a miss for me. I mean, Heaven was a great power ballad. Yeah. This wasn't a great power ballad. I just, for whatever reason, I didn't like it. I have a feeling this was the label, not the band, who wanted to put some softer stuff on here. And they, got, and they got pressured to do so. It's all right. Just, it doesn't really do it that much for me. All right. So, what do you got up next, man? We're going to go with Red. This Simply Red by Sammy Hagar. Now, Red is a song off of Sammy's solo, second solo album, 1977, Sammy Hagar. Holy shit. Some, we have somebody who didn't make his first solo album self-titled. It he was still, his second one. He still did the self-titled thing. I mean, it's like Metallica. It was like their fifth album or sixth album. Something like that, yeah. But then but, people still call it the Black Album because... Well, it's just like the Beatles self-titled. Everybody the calls White it the White album. album. Right. So this is known as the Red Album. And due to the album art and inclusion of the song on it, which is also contributing on how he got the nickname The Red Rocker. Red is a simple concept of a song. He sings about his favorite color and why he digs it. That's that's pretty much all, you know. It's a good rock song. It's one of his older hits that not a lot of people know, unless you're kind of familiar with his back catalog after Montrose. And let's go ahead and take a listen to Red. Now, it's got solid guitar work, solid drum work. It's got a signature voice. I think it's a must for any Hagar fan. I don't know what to say about this. It's bad. I mean, bad. Since I don't have anything good to say about it, I'll let this item I found online speak about the song. There are songs about favorite women, favorite cities, favorite food. So why not favorite colors? 
No, this is not painted black all over again. Hagar is known as the Red Rocker, and this is his own take on the color of anger and, of course, blood. I I was not impressed by this at all. I've never heard the song before, so I listened to it a couple times. I tried, because I know you're a big Hagar fan. I tried to like this song, and it's just not there. That's fine. For me. I mean, it, it's Sammy. Sammy has got a great voice. I will give him that. And he's good on the guitar when he wants to be. The guitar work was okay, but the whole song as a whole just doesn't... No. All right. So what do you got next, then? Um, up next, I have got Red Dirt Road by Brooks and Dunn. Red Dirt Road is a song written and recorded by American country music duo Brooks and Dunn. It was released in 2003 as the first single and title track of their album Red Dirt Road. The song reached the top of the Billboard Hot Country song charts and peaked at number 25 on the Billboard Hot 100. The duo performed the single at a tribute concert for Dale Earnhardt at the Daytona International Speedway in July 2003. The song describes a narrator who has reflected on joyful memories linked to the red, to a red dirt road near where he grew up. It describes how the area was, where the narrator drank his first beer, found a lover, wrecked his first car, found Jesus, and learned that happiness, happiness on earth ain't just for high achievers. So let's go ahead and take a listen to this. I learned the path to heaven is full of sinners and believers. Happiness on earth ain't just for high achievers. I've learned, I've come to know there's life in both ends. That red dirt road. This is just a song about remembering. I don't know about you, Lou, but the older I get, the more I think about things from before high school, grade school, old teachers, and old girlfriends. Just everything that makes us who we are. It's for those reasons that I like songs like this. And Brooks and Dunn are one of those transitional bands I talk about when I talk about country music. It is an old country and it isn't new country. It's somewhere in between. And this song lands strictly there, in my opinion. But it's it's a nostalgia song. You know, and it's, it's a good harmony between the group and a decent country song reminiscing on where someone came from, as well as a place that made them turn out how they did. I think everyone can relate to this as everyone has that spot that floods them with the memories of this happened here. Um, you know, I grew up in Wausau. And, High roller! Well, yeah. No, I grew up in Wausau and lived away for, I mean, cumulative of 11 years. Okay. Like 10 years in between Iowa, Virginia, and then Washington State for one year. And the most recent stint was that 10 years almost straight from like 04 through 14 or whatever. And then moving back to Wausau, so many things changed. Oh, that yeah. I just went by where my old house was, and I'm just like, I remember what we used to do in that backyard. <laughs> I like how you say that, where it was. Now they're putting up uh, a bunch of uh, apartment buildings. Well, no, Our condos it's, or whatever it's, it's a park now. My first house was a park. Not anymore. Okay, since we were at the PI and talked to 20 Watt Tombstone, it was still a park then. They yeah, ch- it's it, there's like five condos going up there right now. Well, that's across the street, though, though. Oh, that's across the street. I thought you were on that corner. No, 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 no. I'm on the opposite. I'm on the glass hat side. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. like if you're going in glass. Oh, so side, you're that little park there. Yeah, okay. That, okay. I, I just remember the first time I, drove I misunderstood. Past there, I just misunderstood where you were. Yeah, the first time I drove past there or walked past there, whatever the case was, I just kind of did double take. I'm like, wait, wait a second, <laughs> something's not right here. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was heartbreaking. It really was because I'm like, I've got so many memories. In fact, pictures of like the inside, the outside, the backyard, hanging out, and just remember doing stuff with friends in the backyard. Uh, recording TV shows that we still have on videotape. 
you know, and now that's gone. You know, I mean, the house that my mom still lives in is in town, and I have a lot of memories from there, but that's not the one I grew up in, you know? Right, yeah. So, so yes, I mean, it's a decent song. They got a great voice. I would agree with you that they're not quite country. They're not quite rock. They're not quite country rock yet, though, but they're 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 a gateway drug. Yeah, they're a transitional They're, 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 they're basically they're... The, the weed of the country world. <laughs> no, that's one way to look at it. So, I'm going to go ahead and move along because that got yeah. really quiet all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to move to Red Red Wine by UB40. So, I doubled up the red here. You did. I get two points for categories. So... Red Red Wine was originally written and recorded by Neil Diamond in 1967 and then covered by UB40 for their album of covers called 1983, it's 1983's Labor of Love. little piece of trivia, do you know how they got their name? UB40? Yeah. I have no idea. The UB40 was the for, the unemployment form for England. That oh, okay. That was the name of the form. It was a UB40. Right. Okay. So the song style was modified from Neil Diamond's ballad style to a reggae-styled band, uh, reggae-styled song, I should say. And Diamond reportedly performs it in the UB40 arrangement instead of his own when he does it in concert, which is kind of a testament in how well the song works. Yeah, but that's got to be fucked up. Neil Diamond singing reggae? Yeah. Then again, did you not think that this band was mostly black guys? Or mostly like people? Because when you no, listen to I UB40... No, I learned early on it wasn't because but of, it was a bit of a, But if it was a bit of a shock when you finally yeah. realized it, it was like, Sh- shut up. But England has a lot of reggae. They do, yes. Now, with that being said, and though... so does Canada. I mean, look at snow. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I just threw the groove all the way off. Sorry, I had so, to... So, <laughs> it's not... Um, let's see. It's not bad for a mostly white band from Birmingham. They do have a black guy or two in there. Like, I don't know if it's the token black guy or they feel bad about stealing Jamaican or style. Or maybe there's just a black guy who happens to be their friend and is in that, a band. That could be. Who knows? Everybody's got their reasons, I guess. Yeah. So... The song is another simple one. It's about how liquor, in this case red wine, can help you put off or forget your problems. It's not a permanent solution in the short term, and they're not wrong. Until we talked about this in our alcohol songs way back in episode number five, I didn't know that this was a cover, and I think it pretty much succeeds in every way improving the source material. God, alcohol was episode five? Yeah. Wow. Now, I'm not a reggae fan, but this is a classic 80s staple song that we're going to take a listen to now. I love reggae. I love UB40. I love this song. It's just a fun song about remorse. Yep, you heard that right. You can't hear reggae and be sad, regardless of the topic. It's reggae and polka. They both are types of music that always make you happy. And, and maybe that's the whole goal of it, is to make people feel good no matter what's going on in the world. New genre, polka reggae fusion. I hate you. Get on that. No. <laughs> what would you call it? Shit. Poke gay? <laughs> Reka? No. It's, it's just a great song. It really is. I really enjoy it. You know, it, it's a remorse song, but because it's reggae, it doesn't feel that way. So, I, I guess that's it. Should I move on? I think you shall. So, my next song is Lady in Red by Chris DeBerg. Ah. The Lady in Red is a song by British-Irish singer-songwriter Chris DeBerg. 
It was released in June 1986 as the second single from the album Into the Light. The song was responsible for introducing the Berg's music to a mainstream audience worldwide. The song was written in reference to, though not specifically about, his wife Diane, and was released on the album Into the Light. I said that already. On the British it's really TV, important, people. On the British TV series, This Is Your Life, DeBerg said that the song was inspired by the memory of when he first saw Diane and how men so often cannot even remember what their wives were wearing when they first met. Let's go ahead and take a listen. Though I read that, it is almost a universally hated song. I like it. I think it's a nice love song about a girl that once he met her, that moment was burned into his memory so strongly that years later he could write a beautiful song about it. Though not specifically about his wife, I think it is still a very special song. I say give it a thumbs up and stop hating you fucking non-feeling assholes. This means you, Rolling Stones. That means you, Dot Music, and you, Gigwise, and The Observer. Fuck all you guys. I love this song. Okay. What do you have to say? Apparently, I'm getting a big fuck you to me, too, then. Fuck um, you, Lou! <laughs> no, it's a classic 90s, or I'm sorry, classic 80s love song. It's a one-hit wonder. It's a whiny song, to be sure, but it's still a decent classic song. I still can't hear this song without thinking of the movie Dodgeball, though. Because if you remember the one nerdy character got was like into the, the Russian lady that had like all the janky teeth and everything. Oh, yeah. Every time that they showed her, they played this song. That's true. It's not a terrible, terrible song. It is whiny as hell. I can't listen to the whole thing from start to finish, but maybe the bridge of it I'm okay with. But it is still considered a classic. Fair enough. Fuck all right. you, Lou. What do you got next? All right. You know, actually, that was one of my nicknames. Fuck you, Lou? Uh, fucking Lou, actually. Um, <laughs> with a couple friends of mine, we used to play Goldeneye back in the day, and that's just dating how long ago that was. And uh, I just remember <laughs> that, that, I don't know if you've ever played, you ever played that, the shooter on Nintendo 64, but no. you could pick up body armor. But you could also place proximity mines. So I would place proximity mines on the body armor. So somebody would go pick that up and explode. <laughs> You're an asshole. Exactly. That's why every time that's it why happened, you became fucking it was like Lou. fucking Lou. It was hilarious because it was my friend's wife who would who actually <laughs> called me that. I still wear that as a badge of pride. So, uh, anyways, my next one is Red Barchetta by Rush. Red Barchetta is a song off of Rush's 1981 album Moving Pictures. It's the futuristic story of breaking the law and hot rodding. In this future, as told by the singer, most vehicles are outlawed by the motor law. The singer's uncle, however, kept an illegal sports car, a red Barchetta, hidden on his farm, and the singer takes the car out for a joyride. One such time, he's pursued by what can only be assumed is law enforcement. The pursuit continues until he shakes the fuzz and gets back onto his uncle's farm safely. The song was inspired by a short story by the name of A Nice Morning Drive that was in Road and Track magazine in the 70s. Let's go ahead and take a quick listen to Red Barchetta.
Now, I find this song to be entertaining. It's classic Rush, Getty Lee's refined voice coupled with Alex Lifeson's tight guitar work and Neil Peart's flawless work on the drums makes this song just amazing. I know you're not a Rush fan, so you're going to disagree, but then I'm probably going to disagree with your next choice too. So what do you think? Let's start with this, and I might get flamed for this. I do not like Rush as a whole. You're anti-Canadian. I know, unpopular opinion, but it's truthful. It's a song about a car and a fucking story. That's it. Getty Lee's vocals always grate me. I, I just they 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 grate my spine. They just make me kind of cringe. But I, it's just not my style. Too prog rock, I guess. Sorry, Al. But uh, you gotta throw that in in every episode. I know, and he's never mentioned it to me. I, I don't know if that's a, an aggressive thing or if he's just ignoring it or if he's just not listening. That oh, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> We've been mentioning this ever since the prog rock episode. He hasn't said a word. And if he hasn't been listening because maybe he got offended by that? I don't know. But, but you sons of bitches, I'm just never going to talk to you again. No, I talk to him all the time. But, no, about the podcast. Oh, but I'm like, I'm just waiting for him to say something. I, He's just so waiting. Many, it's going to build up. So many times I wanted to be like, hey, Al, did you hear a little shout out? You know, eh, eh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But I haven't because I'm waiting to hear him say something. Like not prompted. Right. So, yeah, that, that's my thought on it. I, throw it in the garbage. Send it back to Canada. Do whatever you want with it. Just not my style. I'll take that over that bitch Anne Murray any fucking day. See, I like Anne Murray. I know. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I'll take them. I'll, how about this? I'll take Rush and Shania Twain and you can have what's left. Can we share Shania? I mean, come on. We'll see. <laughs> All right, what's your last one? My last one is Little Red Corvette by Prince. It, you know... <laughs> It's a single. It was released as a single from the album 1999 in 1983. You fucking figure it out. I'm not doing the math. The song was. It's his, in the 80s. His the song was his biggest hit at the time and his first to reach the top 10 in the U.S., peaking at number six on the Billboard Hot 100 singles. It was also his first single to perform better on the pop chart than on the R&B chart. The song combines a drum machine beat and a slow synth building up for the verses. And a rock and a full rock chorus. Backing vocals were done by Des Dickerson and Lisa Coleman, and the guitar solo was also played by Dickerson. Now both of these get people are members of uh, uh, Prince's first band. Was it the New Power Revolution or just the Revolution? No, the Revolution. Thank you. In the song, Prince narrates a one-night stand with a beautiful but promiscuous woman, the Little Red Corvette of the title. Although he enjoys the experience, he urges her to slow down and find love that's going to last before she destroys herself. In addition to the title, he uses several other automobile metaphors, for example, comparing their lovemaking to a ride in a limousine. So why don't you hop in and feel the smooth ride? just recently listened to the song as I stood in the shower. It was the first time that I put together what the lyrics really were. For a long time, I knew the song was about a girl, but I always thought that it was more about the car. I have always loved the song. The music, the vocals, it all goes together so well, and I guess I should have known that, in, in, in retrospect, it was a song about sex. 
I mean, it is Prince after all. I really like the song, and now you can feel free to go ahead and disagree with me. You know, if Prince could play guitar with his dick, he would, because honestly, that's all of his songs, is either sex or sex. I'm not going to disagree with you. It is one of the Purple One's most famous songs, and you'll be a little shocked by this, but it's about sex. If you don't read into it, it's about a car. If you read into it further, it's about a girl who's being compared to a car. And sex. He's going to stick it in the tailpipe either way. It's a decent song. It's, it's not great. It's it's a greatest hit for Prince. Yeah. Um, it's a skippable song for me. I know you carry, you like Prince, and I am a one-disc greatest hits Prince fan. Okay. Um, he could easily, with he's put out like what, 18 albums or something like that, Yeah. Um, you could probably fit him on a two-disc set, but I would be hard-pressed to find that many songs. Okay. So Why don't you go ahead and wrap us up? All right, so we're going to go ahead and finish with Little Red Riding Hood by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Honestly, when we were picking Red songs, this was the first song that came to mind. And I'll be honest, I know this song. I love this song. Never crossed my mind once. Because most people think of it as, think of the Wooly Bully guys. You know, so, anyways, it's a song written by Ron Blackwell and recorded by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs for their 1966 album of the same name. The song is built around the fairy tale Little Red Riding Hood, but the singer, is being the wolf, isn't out to eat anybody. In a literal sense, at least. I was going to say, not exactly. He's a man with a more, more, let's put it, sexual intentions towards Red. Come on, you could have went with carnal appetite. He's a sexual predator. He should be He should be on that list. There you go. So maybe eat Red, in a sense, is right? Perhaps? <laughs> so let's just go ahead and take a listen to a little Sam the Sham, and then we'll talk about that. Little Red Riding Hood Think little big girls should go walking in these spooky old woods alone. So, regardless of way this really goes, the track is an oldie and definitely a goodie. It's done by the ba- same band again who did Wooly Bully back in the day. He's got a really unique voice, and it's it's just a fun song, regardless of all the pervery that's going on. It's it's still just an entertaining song. Oh, absolutely. So I really don't have a whole lot to say. So what do you think? Well, I'm going to tell a little bit of a story here. The first time I heard this song, I was maybe 12 and listening to music as I fell asleep. I woke up in the middle of the night and the music was, the radio was still playing. I fell asleep when it was still on. And sure enough, this song scared the shit out of me. (laughs) Now, in the light of adulthood, I don't know why it scared me. Probably because it was 2 a.m. and it woke me up. (laughs) But it's a great novelty song. I recommend this to anyone who likes this kind of novelty work. I mean, Sam the Sham and, and the Pharaohs, they did a lot of stuff. Like you said, Wooly Bully. And if you look at their you, you know, their their body of work, it's a lot of novelty stuff. It's what they did. But I, actually, I absolutely love this song. And it's one of those that I like to listen to around Halloween time. Okay. You know, kind of thing. And it really isn't a Halloween song, but just with the, the howling and all the stuff that goes with it, I think it kind of gets that feel for me. So, this is the part where we talk about trivia. And all I'm going to say is after two weeks, you are one and one. And I apologize for blowing my load there, but I was just really excited that I knew the answer, so... And that's great. Bueller. 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 Like we always say, thank you guys for listening. If you like this episode or any of our other episodes... Feel free to reach out to us. There's a few ways you can do that. First, through email. Reach out to us at eclecticmediaproject at gmail.com. 
Or you can find us on Facebook at Musically Challenged Podcast. And of course, as always, there is our third and final way. Which is Twitter. If you want to go ahead and send us love, send us hate, send us a playlist, 10 songs, 10 artists, have a theme, great. If not, that's cool. Ran out of air. Cool. And, and that's <laughs> at, It's at, cool. Cool. So at MC Podcast 17. Um, make sure that if you are going to send us a list that you have access to the music in case we need it. Otherwise, we're pretty darn good at getting music ourselves. But uh, we may even put a we may even put a uh, a poll up there if some if we get enough readers and listeners. Yeah, yeah. Why not? I mean, you know, when you send us a list, it, it can like you said, it can have a theme. It doesn't have to have a theme. We can make you famous. That's true. We can make you famous. You can be heard by all our listeners. Your name on our podcast with your music. How much more famous than that can you get? You know, and it's legal famous too. Yeah, it's not infamous. It's famous. There you go. And with that, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.